Welcome to Hope Plus, the podcast for Hope Community Church. If you're a new listener, we encourage you to check us out at hopecommunity.ca or find us on social media. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be with you again <clears throat> this morning. A special welcome to those who are visiting. Uh, you've come on part four of the series, so I'll, I'll try to keep you filled in if this is new to you. We're, we've done a series on the book of Ruth, uh, Old Testament book of Ruth, and I'm going to conclude it today and hopefully tie it all together neatly in a bow. So that's, that's the plan here. When I think of the Word of God, and we picture it like uh, a journey, you know, from the beginning of time to the end of time, in essence, uh, the story of God, I, I picture not a straight highway through the prairies, but rather a curvy adventure uh, through all kinds of terrain, and there's smooth sailing, and there's rough roads, and there's everything in between. And then there's signs along the way, and the sign says, the best is yet to come. So it is with the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, we see God's plan unfolding through the ordinary details of life. In the beginning, we have a family. There's a famine. The family takes off to try to live elsewhere so they can survive the time of famine. While they're living elsewhere, there's death in the family, loss of loved ones. Then there's these widows trying to survive. There's the devotion of this wonderful daughter-in-law. There's the integrity of this man who comes to the rescue. They're all this ordinary life. And in it all, God is somehow at work. And the people in the story have no idea of all that's going on. But God does. The story has all kinds of troubles. Famine, death, barrenness, living without a home coming to a new country, coming as a foreigner. All that's going on in this story. And one of the main characters, Naomi, who went to the land of Moab with her sons and uh, her husband, uh, well, she said, I went away full, right? Everything was going okay. Uh, And then her husband dies and her two sons die and she has these daughters-in-law. But she says, and she comes back and she says, I went away full, but God has brought me back empty. Empty. She's hurting. But in the story, as it goes on, we begin, so it seems so hopeless, but we begin to see hope dawning. And there's this guy named Boaz, and he helps them find some food, and he's, we find out, is a potential match with the, what the story calls a kinsman redeemer. So he's in the, sort of in the same family line of, of uh, Naomi, and so then he can help them out as a kinsman redeemer. Now, what we're looking for is marriage. There's this young woman, Ruth, who's widowed, and there's this older bachelor uh, named Boaz. But Boaz doesn't seem to get the proposal thing going, as we saw last week. My wife, Candy, says she really pictures an older bachelor who really needs a push. 
and I suppose there's part truth to that. And then we live, as the, as the people reading the story, we live with a certain sense of uncertainty, at least from a human point of view. And then we come to chapter 3, which Jonathan preached so well on last week. And uh, a little aside, uh, Pastor Dave and I were wondering how the, this rookie pastor would handle this kind of steamy love story. And we were hoping he'd squirm a little bit. So we're going to get him to do the whole series on the Song of Songs next. So, <laughs> But it is a real human story, right? And there is some sexual tension in that story. And there's the story of loyalty and honesty and integrity. And, and Naomi you know, take, kind of takes charge of the scene a little bit. She pushes Ruth uh, to get this marriage proposal underway. And then we're, as readers, are so happy to see this story unfolding. And we begin to see that, hey, Boaz is actually warming, warming up to this idea of marriage. But then we come to this other setback. There's, in this society, there's these kinsmen redeemers, people who are in the family line who have a legitimate right to help out. And so Boaz is number two. There's a guy ahead of him who could take Elimelech's property and Ruth, if he so chooses. And once again, a man of integrity, Boaz says, okay, this, this, this guy's first, so he has, to, he has to think about it first. But now he is a man on a mission. And now we come to chapter 4. So let's, let's read it together. Okay, It's a little bit long, but it's, it's a pretty interesting story. I, at least I think so. All right, so meanwhile, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate. Town gate... This is where the leaders gather. And sat down there just as the first guardian redeemer he had, he had mentioned comes along. And Boaz said, hey, come over here, my friend. Sit down. So he went over and he sat down. Then Boaz took ten of the elders of the town, so the leaders, and said, sit here. And they did so. So something's happening. And then he said to this guardian redeemer, Naomi, you know who she is, who came back from Moab is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will, redeem it. Do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. I'll redeem it, he said. And all of us at this point are going, no, 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 don't. We want Boaz, right? That's kind of what we're supposed to feel here. I redeem it. And then Boaz said, okay, on the day, yeah, there's fine. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite. All right, so you see it's a bit loaded here. And, and the, the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. And there's, you see this cultural stuff going on here. And at this, the guardian redeemer said, mm -hmm, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. And we're not sure what he means by that. I'm kind of implying that maybe he had a problem with the Moabite thing. Other, other writers say, well, you know, he was already married. Anyway, whatever the reason, he says, you redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. And now we get a little aside here. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. There's a lot of foot stuff going on in this story, isn't there? Anyways, this was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed the sandal. 
And then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, well, today you're my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all of the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. Those are the sons. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's wife, widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. And then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. Now some of you are going to be saying, Who are they? Right? Fair enough. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Like Rachel and Leah, who together built up a family of the, the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephratah, one of the tribes, and be famous in Bethlehem. Bethlehem should ring a bell here, right? Okay, we're coming to the Christmas season. Through the offspring of the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez. You say, who's that? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Whom Tamar bore to Judah. Okay, all right, so there's stuff here. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. You might say, who's that? Father of Jesse, who's that? Father of David. Oh, all right, that should get us going here. And then he jumps right into this little genealogy here. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Okay. Who's the father of Hezron? Okay. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Oh, okay, we understand what Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of, oh, here we go, David, there we go. All right, so now there's this big story going on with this. Uh, finally, Ruth and Boaz can start their life together, and they have this child, and we might say, and we could end here, they lived happily ever after. And kind of true, because we get this genealogy thing going here. And there is a whole ever after, because the line of David was supposed to last forever. So there is a happily ever, but not maybe exactly the way we think. We want that, though. We want this to be kind of like the rom-com. We, we want this just to work out well. But again, there is so much more going on here. Now, let's back up a bit. Remember, Ruth didn't come to Israel with any children from her first marriage, which was 10 years long. So we, 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 when we're reading, we come and say, wait a minute, can she even conceive? Can she even have a kid? And there's a potential other roadblock. And then we read, oh, well, okay. The, then we read, they made love. And then the Lord enabled her to conceive and she bare the son. And we see the hand of God at work here through ordinary life. It's interesting that in the rest of the story, Ruth is hardly mentioned. You know, it sounds like Naomi had a baby, right? What's going on with that? We, and, and, and the writer wants us to see something. We think back of Naomi, 
all right? And she had all that hardship happen to her. And she says, God brought me back empty. Nothing. Her friends say, hey, Naomi, don't call me Naomi. My new name is bitter. that's, That's a lot. The book begins with loss and death and hurt. And it ends with new life and a future. And then we come to that verse 16 and, and, and 17. And, uh, and then we see a son had been born to Naomi. And we, 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 see, we begin to see hope again. But why does, why does the author write, you know, it, 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 why does the author say why, the son has been given to Naomi? Well, because he wants us to see that how she felt in the beginning, that that wasn't the truth. Albeit, hard things happened. And then, I think for us, as, as readers, who then try to tell, tie this story to our own lives to some degree, we need to learn to trust that God is busy when we feel empty. Anyone here ever feel empty sometime? I think we all do at times. When, when we want to be named bitter or loser or victim, then God is saying, that's not true. That's not who you are, even though that's how you feel. Ruth was written to help us see that signpost of grace that I talked about on the journey of, of the biblical story, where it says that, that, that the best is yet to come. Yeah, but my life is so awful right now. The best is yet to come. Naomi's life was hard. I, we, we don't need to minimize that. She had tremendous hardships. There's no denying that. There's no sugarcoating that. But the story is so much bigger than that brokenness that she's experiencing. God is at work in it all. And we get hints of that throughout the book of Ruth. In, 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 in chapter one, uh, Ruth 1.16, right, when, when Naomi is saying, hey, Ruth, you know, we've, we've all lost our husbands, we're all widows now, and, and Orpah, you as well, the, the other woman who was there, you know, why don't you guys just stay here? Stay in Moab. No sense you coming back with me to nothing. And then, but then Ruth says, and that was a famous line, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people be my people, your God, my God. And we see God at work in this wonderful daughter-in-law. Right? We jump ahead to chapter 2. Uh, you know, where Boaz sees how, how lovely Ruth is being to, to uh, Naomi, and he says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have found refuge, right? We get that wing thing, which is part of that chapter 3 as well. They, they can keep going all the time, even when it's hard, because God is at work. Naomi had said, yeah, you stay there. There's no hope, right? But then later on, you know, she, she admits, right, in, in chapter 2, she admits that she sees hope of redemption. Here's my point. In our pain and in our loss, it's hard to see hope. 
but that doesn't mean it isn't there. Our hurts can blind us. And it's then that we need others to help us find hope. We need to find that hope through the kindness of others that help us cling to God when it's tough to keep going. People like Ruth, like Boaz. Right? And, and, and then you know, we, we read that part about Rachel and Leah that the, the guys in the town are, are talking about. Well, may it be like Rachel and Leah. And if you know that story at all, that story involves Jacob. And Jacob is going to marry what he thinks is Rachel, but the dad cons him somehow, and he ends up marrying Leah. And then later on he marries Rachel. So this, this story's a, that story's a bit of a mess too. Right when it where there's this deception going on and false promises made and this poor Leah gets used and anyway and, and out of all that broken messy story where Rachel is barren eventually has kids but out of, Leah has a whole bunch of kids and out of that out of her comes Judah. Oh okay Judah yeah I know that name yeah the line of Christ. But they also mentioned Judah and Tamar. I don't even want to talk about that mess. It's a kind of a sick story. I'll let you read it for yourself. You go ahead. Look up you know, Judah and Tamar and you go read the story and you'll see what I mean. But it's in, it's, these people know these messes happen. They're bringing up these horrible messy stories and how God then, oh yeah, right, right, and out of that comes, and out of that comes, and there's Judah, and there's then, you know, I think, God was busy in that train wreck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And, and, and he's busy in this messy story of Ruth, too. And that's the point. That's the point. You know, that, that God is at work. And God gives Ruth a child for her sake, and for Naomi's sake, and for Boaz's sake. But more than that also, for us. us. Ruth had a baby for you. Oh, what? How, how does that benefit me? <laughs> because the story keeps going. The story keeps going. And, and, and then I think of a passage in scripture like, like Philippians 2 verse 13. <laughs> Look at it with me. There we go. For it is God who works in you to will and to act, to do what? In order to fulfill his good purpose. Was well, that exactly the same as my purpose? Well, maybe not. Right? God, it's God's good purpose who sees the whole of things. I, I, I love how the psalmist expresses in Psalm 27, I remain confident of this, right? I can have, may not have a lot of confidence, but I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Wait for the Redeemer. You know, that's what Naomi tells Ruth too after they you know, have the, the whole time where they try to encourage Boaz to 
propose, and you know, he kind of finally gets it, but you know, then, then after that, Naomi says, okay, we've done all we can, now we have to wait, right? There's often, okay, you do what you can, and then you wait. You wait, and, and along, along comes, right, the whole book of Ruth. It, it, you know, there's a little bit of a slide here of showing a, a synopsis of, of their lives, right? You see it in the beginning, right? It's, it's this, again, the theme here, wait for the Lord, right? In the, in the, the first slide there, you see, oh, there's, there's death, there's graves, right? And then there's widows traveling, and you get a summary of the whole story, the gleaning of the fields and the barley that they get, and, you know, even a little, little shot even of the steamy night, right? And, 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 but in the end, you know, there they are, right? There's a baby, there's hope, right? And that's what the writer's trying to say. The writer's trying to say, God has been busy this whole time. They've been caught up in such brokenness, right? Along comes Boaz, coincidence of all coincidence. And Ruth happened to go to that field. And Ruth and Boaz do get married, and they do have a son. And Naomi takes such joy in that, as do we as, 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 the, as the readers. But there's so much more going on. They could have ended the story right there with just that baby. You know, with Naomi no longer calling herself bitter with a baby in her arms. And we say, ah, that's, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. And it is. But the writer goes on. No longer do we hear from Ruth or Boaz or Naomi. And, we re- and I read you that, that little synopsis of their story, right? We, we had Perez and... Uh, even a, a guy named after a fish, salmon, and um, you know, then, and, and then in the end, it's you know, it comes leads to the line of David. You can read Matthew one, see a bit of a longer version, and we are taken much further down the road of redemption, way beyond Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. God is looking much further than just our individual lives, albeit that matters. Not just a lovely ending for Ruth and Boaz, but so much more. It brings the story of redemption to all of us. And beyond us as well. To the line of David that has no end. And so I want to read now Luke 2, verse 4. Luke 2, 4. So, now we jump ahead. So, Joseph. Another guy with a lot of integrity lives in this town of Nazareth. A lot of integrity. He, he loves Mary. Mary gives him news of a baby that she's expecting, and it's not his. And being a man of integrity, he's going to quietly divorce her, take care of things, but then, yeah, that angel comes. And they end up going to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus, right? And somehow God is using the, the political scene of the world somehow to, to, to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, oh, that's where Ruth was from, right? And Bethlehem to the town of David because what? He belonged to the house and line of David, All these threads, all these moments, all being tied together in God's majestic plan in this amazing road to redemption. Not just a lovely ending story for a bunch of people, but so much more. All our, and, and, and there comes Jesus, and he comes into the world, and all our brokenness and all our pain and all our sins are somehow taken care of in him. But we hit roadblocks. Jesus dies. What? 
but he's our redeemer. Yeah, he's redeeming through death. Oh, wait, wait, I didn't see that one coming. And he rises again, and he ascends to heaven, and he reigns on high, and he will come again to make all things right. Because that's what's going on here. And in the meantime, it's Advent. It's a season of waiting. The kingdom has come, but some of it not yet. And we are given hope that God will continue to be at work in it all and through it all and in the details of our individual lives, our ordinary lives. And we see how God works in those ordinary things, in the gleaning of fields and through having babies and through losses and through setbacks that God is busy. And all our extraordinary God is busy in ordinary lives. In your life, where the Lord is busy unpacking his eternal plan. And we see the sign. We see it in Ruth, and we see it in the story of Scripture. And we see the sign along the highway of life the best is yet to come. It's Advent. Not quite, but this tied so well to the story of Ruth. And for Advent, we light candles. One candle per week, concluding with the Christ candle on Christmas. Christmas Eve, actually. And we're going to have a piece of art for each of the Advent Sundays. This is the one I I have today. I'm going to do the first Advent reading, but we'll have different people reading. This is a season of waiting for our Redeemer. And this is what we're celebrating. And and, and in the Advent season, we're going to light these candles. And today, I'm going to light the first candle. Hopefully I get the thing lit. There we go. We're going to light this candle thinking of Ruth's story, where her ordinary life is woven into the line and story of Jesus Christ. Like yours. In Romans 15, we read this, and Paul says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse. Okay, there should be, you can see a stump in this piece of art. The root of Jesse, but it's it's grown, right? The root of Jesse, it looks dead, will spring up. There's something that's going to grow out of of that dead stump. Who will arise to rule over the nations. And in him, the Gentiles, that's you and I, will have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we read how a a living shoot will come out of a seemingly dead stump, the stump of Jesse, David's dad. And here in this art, we see Jesus sitting comfortably in the heart of the tree. He's holding it all together. And notice he's not a branch. He's not a branch, but a continuation of the trunk. He is a source of life, and in him, everything finds its proper place we are reminded again of God's grand story of hope for the world. And so today we light this candle reflecting God's faithfulness throughout history, a story that is fulfilled in the coming of Jesus 
who we might say is son of David. And in this season of Advent, we await Emmanuel, which means the Lord with us. Will you pray with me? Father God, we, we are so grateful that you unpack your story through our lives. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are almighty, that you tie all the threads together, that you use everything that happens even we don't, when we don't get it, and that somehow you take ordinary lives and make your extraordinary will happen. And for that we praise you now and forever. We help each of us to await our Redeemer in this Advent season by preparing our hearts for your coming so that we may celebrate our Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.